This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 221. Hello, listeners. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm Chris Lester, your guide into worlds of fantasy and wonder. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislaster.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fresh new fiction with you, available in audio for the first time anywhere. I'll also keep you informed on my life and my writing. So let's get started, shall we? Here is this week's story. Today I'm bringing you the first part of a new comedic portal fantasy, The Dark Lord Steve. This is the last story in my Distant Realms story collection, and at about 20,000 words, it's also the longest. This story was inspired by a writing prompt that was posted on Tumblr. The prompt said something to the effect of, The earth is hell, humans are the demons, and a sorcerer has just summoned you to do his bidding. The rest flowed pretty easily from there, and after 41 calendar days, I had a complete story. I hope you enjoy it. The Dark Lord Steve Written and read by Chris Laster Part 1 Stephen Charles Lipinski had never intended to become a demonic overlord, the ruler of all the Western Reach. What he'd really wanted to do for a living was draw comic books. Failing that, he had been reasonably content at his day job, where he made 3D computer mock-ups of new products for a design agency. This whole Dark Lord business was just something he'd fallen into. Literally. It began on a rainy Friday night in late February, when Steve was settling in to stream the latest blockbuster superhero film. He had seen it in the theaters, of course, but he was looking forward to watching it again at home, where he could pause it to go to the bathroom, and there were subtitles so he could catch all the jokes. He had changed into his flannel pajamas and stretched out on his couch, his favorite pillow propping up his head on the armrest. His cat, Maleficent, sat perched on the back of the couch near his head, her fluffy black tail occasionally smacking him in the face. Beside him was a folding tray table, with a can of beer and half of a reheated frozen pizza. Thus prepared with all the worldly comforts he could desire, he raised the television remote and started the movie. Two minutes and forty-three seconds later, an inky black void opened up in the couch and swallowed him. There was a brief sense of a dizzying fall, like the first drop on a roller coaster. His skin prickled with a rush of cold. Then, before he could even work himself into a proper degree of terror, he landed, falling hard on his ass on a floor of smooth, hard dirt. Ow! he shouted, understandably. What the f- Anything further in this vein was brought quickly to a halt, as his brain began to register what his eyes were telling him. He sat in his pajamas in the middle of a pentagram, 
painstakingly carved into the hard-packed dirt. Candles sat at each vertex of the pentagram, the pale yellow tapers burning with smoky, sullen flames. There were no other lights in the room, but kneeling on the floor outside the pentagram was a tall, thin man with a gaunt face and long, matted gray hair. He was dressed in dirty brown robes that were tattered at the edges. His dark eyes went wide as they fell on Steve. By the stars, he said in a stunned whisper. It worked! Whoa, Steve murmured. He got to his feet, turned around in a slow circle, taking in his strange surroundings. The room appeared to be a simple wooden hut, about ten feet across and eight feet high, with a roof made of straw. There was a single, rickety-looking wooden door behind the kneeling man, and two small windows, both of which were covered by shutters. A table, a chair, and a few other simple possessions were all pushed together in one corner of the room. A large and heavy-looking book sat open on the table. Steve took a step toward the man, stretching out a hand with his fingers spread wide. Um, hey, listen, I don't know what's... He was cut short by a sensation much like putting his finger in an electrical socket. His whole arm buzzed with sudden pain, then went numb. He staggered backward, choking back a curse. Smoke trailed from the tips of his fingers. Ow! Steve said again. The fuck? This seemed to startle the man back into action. He sat up straight, spread his hands to either side, and spoke in a commanding tone. Stephen Charles Lipinski, I have summoned thee. Heed my words. Steve's head twinged with a sudden, sharp pain. His hand fell limply to his side. He stared at the man. What? I have called thee by thy true name, and summoned thee from the depths of the pit, the man said. His eyes were so wide now that Steve could see the whites all the way around the edges. Dude, Steve said, offended. It's not a pit. I take good care of my place. And I don't know what you've heard, but West Oakland's hella lit these days. The man's face blanked with incomprehension. Yes he said slowly. A hell lit with burning sulfur, and the souls of the damned, surely. Now it was Steve's turn to look confused. Right, he said, just as slowly. Look, who are you, and what am I doing here? This is a neat trick, but I've got other stuff to do tonight, so... The man raised his chin in defiance. Thou wilt not have my true name, demon! he said in a pompous tone. Thou shalt call me master. Steve cocked an eyebrow. Yeah, not gonna happen, dude. The man seemed to deflate a little. Er, uh, very well, Stephen Charles Lipinski. That sudden sharp pain flashed through Steve's head again. Thou mayst address me by my use name, Galvero. Steve pressed a hand to his forehead. Fine, Galvero. Look, just call me Steve, okay? You're giving me a headache. Galvero cocked his head, looking puzzled. As thou wishest, Steve. 
He wandered over to the open book on the table and ran his finger down the page, as if he were trying to find his lines in a play that had gone badly off script. Um, I have summoned thee here and bound thee in my power, and if thou wouldst be released, thou must grant me a boon of my naming. Steve tried to wrap his head around that. Wait, you think I'm some kind of genie who's going to grant you wishes or something? Galvero turned around and looked at him. That is the pact, he said, as if this were obvious. I am a sorcerer. I have summoned thee and bound thee, demon. Thou must do my bidding. Steve grabbed fistfuls of his hair on both sides of his head and pulled. Dude, I am not a demon. What the fuck do you want from me? Gold, Galvero said triumphantly. A thousand pieces of gold, here and now, in this very house. A hysterical giggle sprang from Steve's throat. <laughs> right, a thousand gold pieces. What, do you think I'm just going to snap my fingers? He did so, by way of demonstration. And a pile of gold coins is just going to show up. There was a flash of light, so bright it made stars dance across his vision. Steve cursed and rubbed at his eyes. And when he could see again, the floor of the hut was covered in shiny yellow coins. Galvero gasped. Steve gasped. They both bent down and picked up handfuls of the coins, examining them closely. They were about the same size and color as those dollar coins with the U.S. presidents, but much heavier. Each face had the stylized image of a skull in the center, surrounded by an eight-pointed sunburst. Steve recognized the design. It was the cursed Aztec gold from his favorite pirate movie. Holy shit, he whispered. Galvero chuckled, and then the chuckling grew louder and higher until it was a full-blown, mad scientist-style cackle. Yes, he cried. I'm rich! I'm rich! Steve was still staring at the coins in his hands. How the fuck? He looked up at Galvero. What is this? How did I do that? Galvero seemed to abruptly notice that Steve was still there. He grinned, a goofy smile that showed far too much of his yellow, decaying teeth. Well done, demon! Thou art dismissed for now. He made a complex gesture with both hands. Wait, Steve said, you can't just... An unseen force gripped the back of Steve's neck and flung him upward into the air. There was another gut-wrenching moment of vertigo, a flash of cold. And then he was laying on his couch again. Maleficent let out a yowl and sprinted out of the room, her long black fur fluffed up in alarm. Steve lay very still, the blood pounding in his ears, his chest heaving. He looked up at the television. The movie was still playing, but no more than a few seconds had passed while he was gone. Slowly, he opened his hand. The fistful of gold coins were still there. What the shit, he said. For the next week, Steve's life proceeded as usual. 
he went about his business with the nervous trepidation of a cat in a house full of overly excitable dogs, waiting for some new sign that he was losing his grip on reality. But nothing out of the ordinary happened. He went to work, ran errands, went to the bar with his friends, and everything was normal. He desperately wanted to talk to someone about what had happened, but who could he tell? What could he say? The whole experience sounded like a bad acid trip. Or worse. Work in the tech industry was demanding, with long hours and tight deadlines. People had suffered nervous breakdowns before. Steve couldn't afford for anything to get back to his supervisor that might suggest he couldn't handle the job. So he kept his mouth shut, focused on the routine, and tried to tell himself the whole thing had been a hallucination. Sure, that didn't explain the coins, which were tucked away in his sock drawer, but maybe they were just props. Maybe they were 3D printed by his buddy Rashid as some kind of elaborate prank. He had almost convinced himself of this when it happened again. This time, he was in the shower. He landed in the pentagram soaking wet and half-covered in soapy lather. His feet slipped on the stone floor, and he fell, knocking his head against the invisible force field that surrounded him. He tipped over onto his side and curled into a ball, clutching at his head. Fuck! he growled. Fuck, that hurts! Silence, demon! Galvero shouted. Steve groaned and waited for his head to stop spinning. After a while, he sat up and looked around. This time, the pentagram was in a circular room of smooth gray stone, about fifteen feet wide and twenty feet high. Wooden beams held up a conical roof at the tower's summit, and a single, heavy wooden door was mounted in an arched stone frame. The pentagram had been drawn in chalk, inside a ring of what looked like silver, and the candles were black wax on silver candlesticks. The big, heavy-looking book was unchanged, but it sat open on a stone pedestal next to the door. Galvero's appearance had much improved as well. His hair and beard were washed and combed, his face and hands scrubbed clean. He had put on some weight, and his skin glowed with health. His robes were a rich black, and covered with embroidered silver symbols. Steve squinted at them, trying to see if he could recognize any of the signs, but they didn't look like any language he had ever heard of. Stephen Charles Lipinski, Galvero intoned. I have summoned thee and bound thee in my power. I know, Steve snapped, rubbing at his temples. God damn it, dude, the fuck do you want? Thou must grant me a boon, demon, Galvero said, as if this were obvious. Steve sighed. Fine. You want to throw me a towel or something? It's freezing in here. The sorcerer looked puzzled. But thou art a demon. Thou couldst conjure anything thou needest. Steve opened his mouth to say, I'm not a fucking demon. But then he paused. After all, he had apparently made a thousand pieces of gold appear just by thinking about it. Was Galvero right? He imagined his biggest, fluffiest bath towel. And then, in a flash of light, it appeared in his hands. Holy shit, he said. He stood up, 
looking at the towel in his hands. It felt real. It absorbed the water off his skin just like a towel was supposed to. He imagined being completely dry, and with a flash, he was. Slowly, a grin spread across his face. He closed his eyes and imagined himself in a perfectly tailored black suit, like the one James Bond wore in all his movies. He didn't see the flash this time, but he suddenly felt clothes appear on his body. He opened his eyes and looked. Perfect, from the gold cufflinks on his shirt sleeves to his polished wingtip shoes. That is hella tight, he said in an awed tone. Galvero blinked at him. Thou couldst make it looser if thou desirest. Steve started to explain, then thought better of it. Never mind. Can you talk to me like a normal person, please? The these and thous are getting annoying. The sorcerer frowned. I'm not sure what you mean, Steve. Steve pointed. There, yes, like that. Talk like that. I don't understand, Galvero said. Steve sighed. He tried to step back and think about this situation like a story. Fantasy novels usually happened someplace other than Earth, in worlds with their own history and languages and laws of physics. They might seem like they were speaking English, but... What language are we speaking right now? Steve asked. Flavinian, Galvero said. It is the common tongue of the Western Reach. Got it. And when you were giving me orders and stuff, was that a different language? That was High Flavinian, an older dialect used by the sages and barristers. But you were speaking it as well. Steve frowned. Huh, it all sounds like English to me. It is said that demons can understand all the mortal tongues, Galvero said thoughtfully. Perhaps it is part of the power you receive when you are summoned here. Huh. Steve paced in a circle within the narrow confines of the pentagram. He wished he had a chair, and then, with a flash of light, he did, a perfect replica of his desk chair from home. He sat down, adjusted the height of the seat, and spun around to face Galvero again. How did you... summon me? This had never happened to me before, until you did it the first time. Galvero pointed to the book. The Tome of Alzarius. It contains the instructions for the ritual. It took me seven years to master the high tongue before I dared to attempt it. Steve took in the man's improved appearance, and the obvious craftsmanship of the summoning chamber. And how long has it been since the last time you called me? Five years. I have put your boon to good use, as you can see. Obviously. So what do you need me for now? Galvero sat back on his heels. I require knowledge. It is said that demons possess secret lore about the nature of matter, how one substance may be combined with another to make a different substance. It is said that many wondrous elixirs and medicines may be crafted in this way. Steve frowned again, thinking this through. So, you want to learn chemistry? Yes, Galvero said, raising one finger. That is the word that was used. Chemistry. Hmm. Steve thought back to his chemistry classes in high school and college. He remembered the basics, but not enough to teach to someone else. 
On the other hand, he closed his eyes and pictured his college chemistry textbook, what the cover looked like, the feel of it in his hands, the smell of the pages. He felt a weight settle onto his lap. He opened his eyes again and looked at the book, paging quickly through its contents. He turned to the section on molecular orbital theory, which had always confused him. The text and illustrations were all there, just as baffling as before. Apparently, he didn't have to remember all the details of a thing in order to conjure it. Just knowing it existed was enough. Here, he said, and tossed the book to Galvero. It flew out of the pentagram without being stopped by the force field. That should be enough to get you started. Galvero looked down at the book, running his fingers in wonder over the smooth, glossy cover and brightly colored pages. I... I cannot read this language, he said. Steve imagined a dictionary, an English textbook, and half a dozen children's books that he'd loved when he was a kid. He passed them to Galvero. I guess you'll have to learn. Galvero's eyes went wide as he studied each of the covers in turn. I... yes, I suppose I shall. Very well, demon. That will do. He set down the books and turned to face the pentagram, raising his arms to perform the banishing. Hold up a second, Steve said, raising his hand. Before I go, you said the ritual to summon me was in your book. But why me? Why not somebody else? Galvero shrugged. Alzarius had a list of demons' true names, with brief descriptions of their talents. The book said you were skilled in envisioning new objects so they could be called into being. Steve thought about his job at the design company. Well, yes, that wasn't a bad description of what he did for a living. So you thought I could imagine up some gold for you? Yes. And also, your true name was easy to pronounce. Right, Steve said, narrowing his eyes. Did this Alzarius guy say where he got this list of names? Yes, Galvero said happily. He obtained it from another demon. He went over to the tome of Alzarius and flipped a few pages further back. Here we are. The demon's name was... And that's the end of part one. Come back next week when Steve finds out who is responsible for his strange predicament. Now it's time to check in on my life and my writing. Here's the weekly writing report. Once again, I didn't do any new fiction writing this week. I spent my production time working on the audiobook version of Distant Realms. Since we're moving at the end of February, it's important to get the entire book recorded before I have to pack up my recording closet. Even if my new recording closet is ultimately better than my current setup, it's going to take some time to get it up and running, and it's likely that the audio will sound noticeably different from the stuff I've recorded here. Getting it done ahead of time also means I won't have to worry about finding time to record the next several episodes of the podcast. I did keep my chain going by working on production each day, so I've now gone 107 days without breaking my chain. Looking back at the month of January, 
I wrote 9,856 words in 19 days, averaging 519 words per day. That's my lowest monthly total since September 2018, and it ranks 44th out of 57 months since I started the podcast. Compared to December, my word count decreased by 41%, and my writing time decreased by 38%. I did not meet my goal of writing on 24 days in the month, or of averaging 700 words per day. Since we are in the process of buying a house, though, I'm willing to cut myself a bit of slack on that front. Speaking of which, this week Mel and I continued our house-buying adventure. We got our appraisal on Monday, had our official inspection on Tuesday, made an Ikea run to Milwaukee on Thursday, and worked on cleaning up our apartment so our landlord could show it to new prospective tenants. They started getting new applications pretty much immediately after we put in our notice, so I'm optimistic that we'll be free and clear from our lease agreement relatively quickly. Now we have to focus on getting this place packed up and ready to move. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2019 and 2020 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.